Hey guys, it's Allie and Lindsay here, and we want to talk to you about our new favorite wine subscription. It is Winester. The best thing about Winester is that they work with small wineries. You know BSN loves supporting small local businesses, and Winester is just that, supporting real people making real wine. These guys will curate a hand-picked shipment for you from the best small wine producers in the U.S. So my favorite part about Winester is the fact that I don't really know much about wine, and when I go to a liquor store, I tend to gravitate towards the same wine I've always had instead of trying something new. But with Winester, they make the process so easy. That's exactly right, Allie. And from my perspective, you guys, I love wine and have tried so many different types of wine at different price points. And Winester is not only easy, but it is quite literally some of the best wine I've ever tasted, and it makes for an amazing gift. What's also ideal about Winester is that you can pick your shipments based on your schedule. That's right, Allie. So whether you're a casual drinker or you love hosting parties, you can get your shipment based on your lifestyle. So head to their website today, you guys. That's W-I-N-E-S-T-Y-R, Winester.com. We've got BSN25 promo code for you, and you can save $25 off your first order. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has room. He's got one man. McKinley Wright from the logo. Oh, got it! Oh, McKinley Wright. Breaks a tackle. Touchdown. Touchdown. That's five for Chris Brown. The defense of Tomlinson. Colorado is going to the NCAA tournament. Stewart with time. Let's it go. He's got three people down there. The ball's up in the air. What's up, everybody? Welcome into this Thursday edition of the BSN Buffs podcast presented by Total Beverage. My name's Henry Chisholm. And before we jump into the show, I want to tell you about this really awesome deal for BSN listeners. If you didn't know by now, Total Beverage is delivering beer, wine, and liquor to anywhere in the North Metro area from Wheat Ridge to Erie. For a limited time, Total Bev is offering 20% off your purchase on their website and app. Use code BSN20 to save 20% off and have it delivered to your door. Let's jump into the show. All right. I've got a good one for you guys today. Uh, this is kind of like my crown jewel of Pac-12 Media Day. I was able to convince, uh, actually, I was able to convince Nate Landman's handler to to let me talk to him for 15 minutes. So the way it works is these guys are booked up all day. Like, I, I think they showed up around 1. I was eating lunch when they walked across, uh, like, the patio to get in. And I jumped up, saw Nate, said hi, introduced myself to him, introduced myself to LaVisca, uh, finished eating really quickly, uh, and then followed him into the big media room where they have uh, the ESPN set up and the NFL Network set up and the Pac-12 Network set up and uh, all the radio stations. There are a couple dozen radio stations that have stands up there. And all the players from all the different teams and all the coaches, they just rotate through uh, the TV uh, areas, the radio stations, all this kind of stuff. And it's all just booked up, like minute by minute. And every player, every coach has their own individual handler who has a clipboard that says he needs to be here at this time. You know, 118, he's jumping on here. 139, he's on to this one, like all this kind of stuff. So they're booked up for the entire day while they're out there at media day. And so I finished eating. I ran back in there and saw Nate just sitting on a couch and I was like oh okay well this is perfect so his handler's there so I asked the handler like hey what's what's Nate's schedule like do you think he could have a couple minutes free like 10-15 minutes at some point today and the handler said you can have time right now and so and so I ran all the way back like weaving through all these reporters back to the other room where they have the uh, press conferences like find my board find my laptop grab an extra microphone sprint back into the other room and when I get back Nate said sitting next to LaVisca 
And I was like, oh, well, this is perfect. I sit down next to Nate. I'm like, hey, what's up, Henry again? Uh, you know, LaVisca, do, do you want to jump on with us? And he was like, sure. So, so uh, we did it. I gave him like a 10-second rundown of what this podcast is. They had no idea what they were getting themselves into. I think they were expecting just like me to pull out my phone and say, hey, what's, what's up with the football team this year? Uh, but we got some pretty good stuff. Uh, we had a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. So I think I'll probably just play that for you right now. And then in the second segment, we'll talk a little bit more about what we learned from those two. And I'm excited for you guys to get to hear this. Hey guys, welcome into the BSN Buffs pod. I've been talking for a couple days about how I'm trying to get somebody on the pod while I'm here at media day. Well, guess what? We're able to make it happen. Two of my guys, LaVisca Chenault, Nate Landman, you know him well. How's it going, guys? It's going great. Going good. Awesome. So, uh, trip to L.A., how's it been? Uh, it was fun. Uh, the the flight in wasn't that bad. It, it took us a little longer to get here. We are here a little late. For uh, you, Viz? <laughs> you said, how has it been? Yeah, how's it been? Um, it's been interesting. Um, a lot of talking. I'm glad to be here. Meet a lot of people. I mean, we had dinner last night with Reggie Bush. Uh, what was that? That was cool. Uh, he sat down at my table. We talked for a little bit. It's great. It's, it's, I mean, it's cool to see uh, someone who's been that successful and, and see what they're up to now. It's it's a blessing and it's it's fun to be able to to get that hype before the season even starts. But it's, I'm not gonna let it get to me. I'm just ready for the season. So earlier today, I was talking to Mike Leach about your game, and the word that he said to describe you was thickness. <laughs> and I talked to uh, Miles Bryant, too, the cornerback from Washington, and I asked him, like, what's it like going up against LaVisca? Like, you didn't get to see him last year, but are you excited to go up against him this year? And he said, like, yeah, I really wanted to last year. He got hurt against USC. Like, I thought he was going to play. He was doubtful, and I was really disappointed when he didn't. Yeah, yeah. Like as the day been going, I'm not day, but as like, shoot, I said that wrong. Keep <laughs> going. I know. Uh, but far as like people saying that, saying that type of stuff, like it's kind of interesting to hear. But um, it's also a blessing that someone knows that much about me and and pay that much attention to me. So I must be doing something right. Do you do you study that kind of stuff too? Like do you do you get up for Oh yeah, yeah. You got to. That's the that's the key to winning games. One of the keys to winning games. You got you got to study your opponent. Yeah, because like you hear so much of like guys saying like you know one game at a time. It's like a team game. I'm not too worried about my individual matchup. But there is something too like going out there and wanting to beat the guy you're going up against, right? Oh yeah, always. It's always a, a it's always a, a matchup. It's always a a win or lose. You always want to win that matchup. So. Is there anybody this year that you're, like, really excited to go up against that you're, like, kind of looking forward to? It, um, anybody. I'm, I'm looking forward to every game. I'm just trying to get wins with the team. That's it. Awesome. Uh, and Nate, second team, all Pac-12. Solid. What do you think of that? Uh, you know, it's always great to be recognized. Uh, you know, I would have loved to have been first team, but that's not what I'm focused on. I'm focused on um, going through camp, getting better. Uh, working with the team and, and ultimately heading up to a mile high and playing CSU for the first week. What, what's your perspective on the game? Like with Nebraska the second week, CSU the first week. Like which which game do you is it easier to get up for? Uh, you know we always try to take one game at a time, but you know there's no greater feeling than than training for months on end and then and then getting that first opportunity to go out and play yeah, and. And show all the hard work pay off and, and what we've been doing. So you know everybody's looking forward to that that first game and it's and it's antsy and um, you know after that game we'll focus on the next game. But right now CSU is the target and uh, there's no greater feeling than running out in that in the, on that field. What's what's it been like like working with Mel Tucker? Like what's the difference there? You know he's he's a driven guy. He's confident. Um, I always describe him as as silently intense. Um, if, you, if you see him in the street. Uh, he's not a big rah-rah guy. He's <laughs> he's kind of a guy. If you talk to him, uh, he seems comes off as as calm and patient and, and a little low key. But um, I don't know. In the meeting room, he's got that silent intensity, and you can tell 
he means business and, and he'll get what he wants out of his players. Uh, Nate hit it on he hit it right on the point. Um, but I describe him as a as a strictly business type of person. Um, just wanna make sure everybody's doing their part and wanna make sure I don't know. He basically said everything. <laughs> Do you guys have any plans for this week? Like, before camp starts, do you get to take a little bit of time off? Uh, well, we start August first. Yeah, we we still we're still going at it. Um, we're probably gonna slow down soon. Or well, we probably slow it. We we kind of slowed down a little bit, but it, it ain't no time for days off. <laughs> we go hard every day. Visco, <laughs> what part of your game have you been working on? What What do you want to improve about how you play football? Um, probably my, you talking like as far as my ability yeah. or just in general? Yeah, like if there's one thing you can improve, what would that be? I feel you, I feel you. Um, I would, I would say I want to work, work on everything, honestly. But like a key thing, probably be my like my lateral quickness and just straight, like my straight downhill running, if that makes sense. Yeah, like, like running into guys? No, nah, nah, not, not necessarily running into guys, but just like put the foot in the ground and, and get downfield. Get vertical. Visca, at receiver, obviously you have you and KD at the top of the depth chart, but there are some question marks behind that. One guy that we've heard a lot about is Dimitri Stanley. What have you seen from him? First off, we 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 have a a very depth receiver group now, um, and we got a lot of potential. Why is that? It seems like every year CU has like a super deep receiver. Like the Broncos take Juan Winfrey and barely got to see him before that. Yeah. Well, uh, one was just, he was just battling a lot of a lot of things, and and you see where he at now, so it paid off. Not him being injured paid off, but him just staying, staying on pace, him staying, staying in the treatment room, him staying working out, like he hard worker, so it paid off for him. And as far as Dimitri, he can be that third receiver or that, or just in the game, period. Just got to get his mind right and and be focused. What is Dimitri's game like? Oh. <laughs> How would you describe it? Quick, fast, um, nice routes, and smart, smart on the field. Nate, uh, got the two guys on the All Pac-12 preseason list. You and Mustafa Johnson. And Mustafa was a guy who jumped out to me. I, I think I was. I was five, ten minutes into watching the tape from that CSU game. I was like, Mustafa has something to him. Like, you look at him and you don't think that he can move the way that he moves. Like, how, what's, what's that about? What, does that surprise you watching it? Like, what do you expect from him? No, because I know Mustafa and I've been working out with Mustafa and uh, practicing with him. He's just got this, this on-field switch um, that he flicks. And when he's on the field, it's a whole new... It's a whole new Mustafa. Um, he's he's angry. He's violent. He's quick. He's precise. Um, he's just one of those guys that will give everything he's got onto the field. And um, you know, me and him have that bond to where he will go try and make a play, and I'll make him right, or I'll go try and make a play, and he'll make me right. And I think we complement each other well, and um, we know we can trust each other. And I think that's why we play so well together. Yeah, and so there's like there's you and Mustafa on that defense, like in that front seven. But there are a lot of guys who we haven't seen much from. Like, I, I like Carson Wells, but again, he's only, what, a sophomore? Yeah. Carson Carson's going to be someone special this year. That man has been working in the weight room. Um, he's big. Yeah. He's strong. He's fast. Uh, he ran track in high school. He's crazy fast for being 6'4", 250, 255. And uh, uh, I've seen him been doing work um, on the edge. He's, his pass rush moves have, have been have improved drastically, and um, I think he's going to be one of the best players on this defense this year. All right, Nate and Visker are getting whisked away. They have other responsibilities. Uh, we'll take a quick break, and I'll be back on the other side.
What's up guys, Ryan Konigsberg here, and I gotta tell you about the Blake Street Tavern. It's my favorite sports bar in town, as evidenced by the fact that we had our fantasy draft there. It's where I watched Super Bowl 48. It's where I watched CU win a Pac-12 basketball championship back in the day. Uh, it's the place to be for any sporting event. It's the biggest bar in town. I always joke you could land a 747 in there. It was named the National Sports Bar of the Year in 2017 by Nightclub and Bar Magazine. It wins best sports bar in Denver seemingly every year from Westward, anyone else that's voting. It's the place to be. Uh, they've got great specials and the food is out of this world. I recommend the nachos, the green chili fries, uh, the buffalo chicken wrap, you name it, they've got it. And the location is perfect. Just two blocks north of Coors Field and they have parking. So go check out the Blake Street Tavern. All right. We're back in for segment two of this Thursday edition of the BSN Buffs podcast. Um, and I want to talk a little more about that conversation that I had with Nate and LaVisca yesterday. It's actually Thursday now. Um, and I think I think my biggest takeaway is that they're good guys. Which, uh, having, having been studying CU for a couple months now, knowing like, they're guys you want to get along with, you want to build relationships with. These were a couple of the guys that I were hoping would be easy to work with, and they really are. I mean, I think one of my favorite parts of the entire conversation was uh, when, when I asked LaVisca how uh, Media Day has been going so far, and he just said, it's been a lot of talking. And I was like, wow, that really does sum up his entire personality. Like, he's just such a quiet guy, and... It was a lot of fun, though. I think when I first read that open, uh, like, hey, guys, welcome to the BSM podcast, both of them just started cracking up laughing. They had no idea what they were getting into. But I think it went pretty well. I forgot to ask Visca about his shoes, which were incredible. I can't remember which brand they were. They were like Gucci or Dolce & Gabbana, something like that, something really expensive. And Justin Michael, our Rams reporter here at BSN Denver, actually looked him up and posted on Twitter that they were $1,300 shoes he was wearing. And I believe it because they were, like, super cool. They were, I mean, I don't think I could pull them off. I'm just, like, you know, I'm, like, 5'8", 155. Everybody just be like, why why did you think that that was okay? But like, he's just so cool and so big. That's the other thing is that until you actually see him, you don't realize that he is just massive. He doesn't look like a receiver. He, he, I don't know what he does look like, to be honest. I mean, he's bigger than Nate Landman, the second-team all-conference linebacker. And maybe maybe when you look at the numbers, it'll, it'll say something different. But if you look at the pictures of the two of them together this weekend, it's it, – LaVisca is massive. It's it's incredible. And But, yeah, just going back, I'm just so relieved that the a couple great guys, I – Got an exclusive with Mel Tucker, and he was super open, willing to talk, uh, and learned a lot from him, too. Uh, and, yeah, I, I'm just – honestly, the number one takeaway is that this is a good group of guys, and I'm excited to be working around them. Uh, had a chance to talk to them during their media availabilities, too, about an hour after we recorded this. And that was also pretty interesting. We talked a lot about – uh, first with Nate, he was telling me they have a new monitoring system, a GPS tracking. I don't totally understand it, but apparently when Mel Tucker came over from the SEC, he uh, brought with him this technology that will track your energy output. Like I'm not sure if that's calories burned or average heart rate or maybe those two things are tied together and I sound like an idiot saying <laughs> saying it like I was saying, but, but it'll track that kind of stuff. It'll tell you what your top speed was every day at practice and it was interesting hearing from uh those guys their perspective on it because it sounds like the coaches will just say like dude you were not trying nearly as hard today in practice as you have been the last couple days and that's the kind of stuff that they have in the sec that just hasn't quite gotten over the pac-12 yet and actually talking to Nate, I think he said that there were only a couple teams last season that didn't have that. And so CU was one of the last schools to adopt it. But still, that's just such interesting technology. And talking to Visca about it, too, hearing him say his goal every day is to be in the top three. 
and a lot of the times he has the fastest speed for any receiver. Like he says, Katie Nixon's up there. He says Demetri Stanley's up there. There's a lot of good stuff about Demetri Stanley. I think uh, he he is a true breakout candidate this year, especially just because of the way he fits with Katie Nixon and Lavisca Chenault. Because you could see how a guy like Jawan Winfrey, who's a good receiver, but is more of that big bodied type, not quite as big as Lavisca, but it it almost be just a little bit redundant having him out there with some of these groups. But when you have KD, who's your shifty, speedy guy, you have uh, LaVisca, who's your your big dude, who can also do um, pretty. I mean, he can do anything you could ask a receiver to do, or pretty much anybody else on the offense. Uh, and then Dimitri Stanley's your route runner, and he has some of that shiftiness, that speediness that KD has too, and even LaVisca has some. LaVisca is just something. I, I'm still just amazed by how big he is. Like every part of him, you look at you look at his shoulders, and you're like, "Wow, how are your shoulders that wide? How are your legs that long? Like they're it's like tree trunks. Like his hair just makes him look even bigger too. It's it's incredible. And uh, but yeah, this this receiving group, as most of the receiving groups have been in Bowler the last couple of years, it should be really good. Um, and a lot of that kind of does ride on Dimitri Stanley stepping up because. They do need a third threat. Just having two guys, the the defense can kind of plan for that. You have, I don't know, maybe corner comes up, plays press coverage, leave a safety over top in case he gets beat. See if you can make it tough for him to get into his break, run his route, and it's virtually like double coverage. But as soon as you throw a third guy in there that's going to take up another defensive back, that means the safety can't just be looking straight at Katie Nixon on that side of the field. He has to be paying attention to whoever the number three is, probably Dimitri Stanley at the same time, that just opens things up for everybody. And I, and I say Katie Nixon's side of the field because if you line Dimitri Stanley up on LaVisca's side of the field, it doesn't matter how how well Dimitri plays this season, that safety is just looking at LaVisca because that's just the kind of dude he is and that's what opens up the rest of the offense. And so the Buffs really do need to get that third threat if they really want to get this passing game coming, uh, coming along this year, and I, I, everything we've heard has been that Dimitri Stanley can be that guy, and hearing Lavisca talk about him as well really helps. I had a couple great conversations with Nate about uh, some of the younger guys on the Buffs' defense too. Um, on the podcast uh, that we taped with him, you heard him talk about Carson Wells, who's a guy that I've been really high on, and that's why I brought him up. And I think that was one of the guys I mentioned in that first podcast I recorded. Like, he flashes. He's a freak athlete. And hearing Nate Landman say that he could break out this season, that's a really good sign. Because I wasn't sure if he was just the kind of guy who is a, a super athlete and contribute just based on his athleticism. But to hear Nate say, no, he actually knows how to play football, that's that's a huge endorsement, and that's a great sign because the Buffs need they need some guys to step up on that defense. And I, I've said this before. I said this yesterday. But where you want to be as a college football program is knowing that you have a decent player who can do his job at every single position and ideally you have like a backup to him because the program's just that deep. But then you're hoping for guys to break out from there. The buffs are still just like a, a step behind that. Where you look at the defensive line and you say, hey, this guy has to step up and be a, a role player. We need him to be a role player, otherwise we're in trouble. And when you're asking guys, hoping for guys to turn to role players instead of turn to stars, it just means that you're a step behind where you need to be. You look at the Buffs receivers over the last couple of years, and that's that's what you want at every position. And it's tough to do, and only a few programs, some of the best, like Alabama, they aren't going to have a spot where you say, oh, that's a weakness. It just might not be a strength. You know, there's, it's every everything they have is at least average. But when you look at the Buffs receivers over the last couple of years, they've just had so much depth. They've had so many guys, and you could say, yeah, we'll put that fifth receiver on the field, and we're comfortable. 
maybe not he he won't have the upside of KD or LaVisca, but he can go out there and he can get the job done and he can be enough of a threat to keep the offense on pace. And the Buffs have that at receiver, but they really don't have that maybe anywhere else on the team. You have question mark, I mean, quarterback is interesting because you only have one guy on the field so you don't have to worry about it too much but you look at the running backs and there's a lot of upside with both those guys like I said yesterday I really like Jared Magum but like between him and Fontenot you just need one of them to be an average running back and if one of them can break out that's great but you're not going to complain at the end of the year if one of them can step up as a young player and be average you look at the tight ends and that's been a problem spot for the Buffs for a while. Uh, they get some transfers in. Bo Bisharat's over there, so maybe he can perform like Buffs fans probably expected when he chose to go to Boulder as a four-star recruit. But over the last few years, I think the last three seasons, the Buffs have 18 total catches by tight ends. That's six a year. That means every other game over the last three years, a Buffs tight end has caught a pass. And that's just not enough. Maybe maybe in this offense, the, the tight end isn't a focal point. Maybe that isn't who you're looking to for big plays. Like, you sometimes see, like, in the NFL with, like, Gronk or Travis Kelsey. Like, you want to get those guys open. But it's, it's just not enough. You need if you're if you're the buffs, you just need somebody to get you 15, 20 catches from there. And then that's just not a problem spot. The offensive line, problem spot. You have William Sherman who's a uh, honorable mention preseason all pack twelve, and that's a good start. But there are four other spots where you kinda need to see pretty much everybody take a step forward. Uh, defensive line, there are holes. Uh, you have Mustafa Johnson, and you have a bunch of guys who are unproven. Linebacker, again, you have Nate Landman, and you have some guys who are pretty unproven. I mean, Davion Taylor, you can put him wherever you want, and he's somebody you can trust. But there, there, are, there are some people who you can be excited about at all of these positions, and there's a good chance that only one or two of these spots end up being problems because somebody does step up and at least fills the role at a, an average level. But where you want to be is deep enough that you don't have to worry about being average at all these different spots. You're just hoping that you have a guy who can break out and make that a plus position for you. And that's what the buffs are building for. And when you look across this roster and see which guys they need to really step up to fill a role they're all pretty young guys and going back to that conversation with Nate Landman we talked about the inside linebackers as well not just Carson Wells but uh the the transfers and he was saying yeah these are these are talented guys who can come in and they can play football they know how to play football and when I asked him about John Van Deest he he really got excited uh, like truly was excited to talk about it, which is a great sign. And I, I asked him something like, you know, we've been hearing all this stuff about John Van Deest being ready to play. Uh, like maybe even he could break out like you broke out last year. And Nate said, yeah, he definitely could be a guy who could do that. He definitely could be a guy who comes out, comes out strong and has a big season. And what would be great about that, not just that you're getting a guy who can fill the inside linebacker role, and a guy who all the hype is pointing toward him being a very good linebacker next year, he's still young. And that's something you see across this defense in particular. And I guess even the offense too. Like when you look at that, those running backs, Fontenot, like Mangum, they're guys who could step up this year to do their job and then still have a year or two left to really be, I mean, potential stars in the Pac-12. Jalen Sammy. Another guy in that defensive line who I'm really excited about. Uh, John Van Deest is obviously the easy prospect uh, to say this is the guy who's going to step up. Probably him along with Dimitri Stanley are the two guys I'm most excited to see, at least young guys, I'm excited to see in camp to see if they really are what what we've been hearing that they are. Um, 
and I say that they're not just my f- most the people I'm most excited to watch overall because I am still just in awe of LaVisca's game. It's because having seen him on the tape, I don't understand how somebody could beat him. And so I'm excited to see him in person and just see what that actually looks like with my own eyes in like just full size out on the field in front of me instead of on a tiny little screen. What does it look like when LaVisca just gives a guy a little shove, gets a massive separation and then jumps up to catch a ball? Like he's a freak athlete and he really does seem like a guy who could take another step forward this year. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really high on him, really high on Nate Landman as well. I really do think that he's worthy of the Pac-12 preseason all-conference honors. I'd love to see him take just, if, if he if he takes a half step forward in coverage, all of a sudden he's a monster. He had those two picks early last year uh, in zone coverage, and neither of them were difficult plays for him. He kind of just went to where he was supposed to go, and the quarterback didn't see him or saw him and didn't think he'd be able to take three steps by the time the ball got there. And so he, he did have a couple of those plays where he did his job. but And, and this is honestly a pretty common complaint against uh, the entire defense of the Buffs last year. When they played that zone coverage, there were so many times where I felt like they're just playing it too soft. They're willing to give up anything that's five yards or less. They're just sitting back too far and watching these completions be made in front of them instead of going after the ball. And I think that that'll change with Mel Tucker this year um, because Mel wants to run a more physical defense. He wants more man coverage. He wants to send guys at the quarterback. And I was actually talking to Mel about his defense a little bit yesterday, and Nate, too. Uh, Nate had some interesting insights, but it this defense is a lot more complicated than what they've been running last year. Uh, and I'm going to write a story about this sometime in the next couple of days. I'm going to have two for you guys out today. First, just takeaways from the Pac-12. And then uh, I I got on the phone with Darren Shiverini yesterday, uh, who is now the assistant head coach for the Buffs. And it's kind of an interesting story hearing him say, like, you know, when McIntyre was fired, I didn't know how long I was going to be in Boulder because, you know, when when a head coach is fired, oftentimes all of his staff is gone the next season. And so hearing about the recruiting trips that uh, he went on with Mel Tucker, uh, hearing how Mel liked how he thinks about recruiting, thinks about the game, uh, it's just kind of interesting stuff and because it is kind of a surprising move for uh, a holdover assistant coach to be – named assistant head coach for a guy who just came to Boulder. I mean, you saw Mel Tucker bring in his own offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. He only retained on the coaching staff, uh, Shiverini, uh, Ross Ells, the linebackers coach, and uh, Darian Hagan, the running backs coach. And the other seven assistants were all gone, just replaced with Mel Tucker's guys, which is totally normal and makes sense. You want people who understand your system so that they can teach it for you instead of requiring you to do all that work yourself. But for Shiverini to be one of the guys who, or the guy who Mel Tucker chose to be the assistant coach, that's just a huge endorsement. Um, yeah, so that's a little bit of a tangent, but uh, one more note on that. Everything I've heard about Shiverini has been overwhelmingly positive. I mean, people at BSN saying stuff, everything I see on Twitter, I mean, wherever you go, nobody has anything bad to say about him. And I only got to talk with him for a couple minutes last night on the phone, so I don't know him well, but I'm excited to get to know him better just because he is so well-liked, which makes sense as your recruiting coordinator that he would be because he's the guy talking uh, talking kids into coming to Boulder. So... That's all interesting stuff to me. But going back to that Mel Tucker defense that's super complicated, Nate Landman saying there are three checks on every play. So so they get out there in whatever formation. Mel Tucker calls whatever play he calls. And uh, 
it's actually Nate's job to to look at what the offense is showing them and pick which of those three uh, three calls to to run. And that's a lot of pressure for him. He said he isn't nervous. He said he's comfortable with it and he's learning. There's a lot of new terminology. And I, I asked Mel too, like, is are you worried that maybe guys won't be able to pick up on all this? Because there's a lot going on here. And he said, nope, they, they have to. Like they have to just learn it, and if they don't, then I mean they're they're not going to see the field. And he actually said a little bit shorter than that. He said something like, "Oh, I'm not worried," and then gave me a smile, like something devious was going to happen to anybody who didn't learn the system. But uh, those are just kind of the vibes I got from that conversation. He's a great guy, really smart, really interesting. Uh, only had a few minutes with him also uh, at least only a few minutes uh, alone with him for a bsn exclusive coming your way uh also have uh exclusive with david shaw stanford's coach um thought there was more too but yeah it's we got so much content coming your way um yeah i think that's everything i wanted to say uh nate landman talking up john van deese talking up this defense uh, one, Mel Tucker said that there would be another guy they'd need in the defensive backfield to be in charge of making the reads and making some calls from back there as well, and he doesn't know who that will be. We do know that Nate Landman will be the guy who's making those reads from the middle of the defense. We just don't know who it'll be from the back end, and the Buffs will figure that out at camp, which is just around the corner, and I'm so excited. I hope you're excited too because we're going to have so much content coming your way. It's time to take a second now and acknowledge Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of BSN Denver. Breckenridge is the original Colorado beer, established in 1990 in Breckenridge, Colorado. You've probably heard of their delicious vanilla porter, their oatmeal stout, and most people's personal favorite, the world-famous Avalanche, which is their classic American amber ale. But they just released a new beer called Strawberry Sky that you guys are going to love. For you beer enthusiasts out there, they're calling this a lighthearted Kolsch ale, but for those of you who have no idea what that means, this is that light, delicious summer beer that you've been looking for. So look for Strawberry Sky at your local liquor store or any other Breckenridge beer, and make sure you also check out the Breckenridge event calendar on bsndenver.com. We just launched it this week. You'll be able to see all of the events we have planned, and we'll be drinking Breck beers at all of them, so RSVP and have a good time. One more note, like I say every time we talk about the Breckenridge events calendar, um, tomorrow night, Friday night, downtown Denver, we're hitting three of our favorite bars, BSN Bar Crawl, totally free. We're supplying some beer for some of the drinking games. We're giving away tickets and gift cards and all sorts of swag. It's going to be a blast. You guys got to get out there, especially because now I know a whole bunch of stuff about the Pac-12, about Colorado football, and I just want to talk about it. So come along, talk with me. It's going to be a blast. The entire BSN crew is going to be there. Uh, Harrison's going to be there. He watches all the Buffs, ga- or Buffs basketball games, covers the Nuggets. Uh, Ryan's going to be there, watches every game, as does Allie. She'll be out there. So many people who want to talk buffs with you. So come talk buffs with us. Along now into the final segment of Thursday's BSN Buffs podcast. I'm Henry Chisholm. I'm fresh off a trip to L.A. where I talked to all the big names in the Pac-12 during Pac-12 Media Day. Also got a little bit of sand under a couple of keys in my laptop. Also learned how to fly southwest, and I kind of hate it. Um, and that kind of sums up that part of the weekend, but we're going to get into some questions now. We got one comment. And so I'm going to read that one comment. Plus, I think Ryan had a question yesterday that fits better today. So we'll jump into that too. Um, so coming from Matt Cisneros, Hey Henry, been enjoying the pod a lot so far. Super stoked to have BSN buffs back. I am stoked as well. I'm even more stoked that you guys are stoked because if, if you've enjoyed it so far, you're going to really like it as things start to heat up because what's this? Today's my fourth ever solo podcast, and I feel like once I get a dozen or so of these under my belt, they're going to start running a lot more smoothly, and we're about to start throwing guests on here too, so 
We're going to have Ryan on. We're going to have Ali on. We're going to have Dre on. Hopefully, we're going to get uh, Matt McChesney from uh, 6-0 Strength, former Buff, former Bronco, who now trains Buffs and Broncos. And hopefully, we'll have some inside knowledge for us. Um, who else is there? Harrison, like I mentioned before, watches every Buffs basketball game. He'll come on, talk some Buffs basketball. We're going to start talking Buffs basketball here soon, too, because that's important. And they're a really good team. They're going to be top 25 when the preseason poll drops, which is super exciting. Uh, bringing back their entire squad from last year that got hot and made a run at the Pac-12, but just came up a little bit short. This year's the year. Uh, I think there's a good chance they're going to come out number one in the Pac-12 poll, preseason poll, which is really exciting. I'm excited to start digging into some Buffs basketball as well. Uh, those are a couple of the guests. Dre's going to come on to talk the draft next week for sure. We're going to make that happen. Uh, yeah, so back back to Matt's question. As a 49ers fan, and after working for them for three years, when we saw that the Pac-12 championship game contract at Levi's ended right when the Raiders' Vegas stadium was pro projected to be finished, we kind of knew what the Pac-12's plan was. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I, I mentioned this yesterday, but if you have the option to hold something in Vegas, you just put it in Vegas. It's so cheap to get there. There's so many cheap hotel rooms. It's easy for people to find other entertainment. The airport is right in town, which is something that Larry Scott addressed uh, during his speech announcing that the Pac-12 championship game was going to be in Las Vegas. And so it's, there are just so many reasons why it makes sense. Plus, me personally, I love Vegas. I don't really have like the perfect personality to be a gambler because I don't know, I don't know why is I, th I think it's because I have this total black and white view of winning and losing. Like you're either a winner or a loser. And when it comes to gambling, obviously like I, I, when I flew through Vegas a couple days ago to get down to LA threw 20 bucks in a machine and figured I gotta, I gotta get like the $11,000 prize. And when an $11,000 prize is an option, clearly like the $11,000, that makes you a winner. But coming out 10 bucks ahead, that that can't be also considered a winner. if Like that's just not on the same level as winning $11,000. And so I end up making a couple bucks, losing it all, trying to get a jackpot. And so Vegas is kind of unhealthy for me, but I still love it. I really like that the Pac-12 championship game is going to be there. And the more I think about it, the more I do like that. The tie-in with the Raiders is, it's, it's totally meaningless, but it does kind of bug me. I don't like it, but it's where we are. It's going to be great. Maybe the Buffs will make a run there. I mean, the odds are against it if we're being totally honest, but when you have a guy like LaVisca Chenault, it's just going to be interesting to see how far a star receiver can carry a football team because I honestly don't know. If you had asked me, a, I don't know, a few months ago, how far can a great receiver carry a football team? I'd say, yeah, like, if there's nothing around him, maybe he gets you to 500, probably not. Just because of the way the game is played, it's hard to get enough production from that spot to carry an offense. But when LaVisca was healthy last year, he was putting up 200 yards a game. He was putting up, like, I don't know, at least a touchdown and a half a game. So... Maybe he can carry them. And and we'll figure that out pretty early, I think, because people forget LaVisca was just a sophomore when he was doing all that last year. Now he's a junior. It'd be awesome if he was going to come back for his senior year because senior LaVisca would just be... I mean, he's already unstoppable. I don't know what the word is for what he would be. But coming back with another offseason, uh, it's got to help. I don't know what he's going to improve. Maybe the route running is a little more refined. But it'll be interesting to see how he can help them. And who knows? Maybe they do make a run and I get to make a trip out to Vegas. Um, back to the question, though. Also, that game in Santa Clara could never draw any fans. They're building a community of bars, restaurants, and hotels around the stadium because there's just nothing but tech HQs around the stadium right now. And see, that, that gets back to my point. Give people an excuse to go to Vegas. They'll go to Vegas. I mean, tickets to Santa Clara can't be cheap. Tickets to Vegas are always cheap. It doesn't matter where you are. 
It's like 300 bucks to fly to anywhere out of Montana, except for Vegas and Phoenix, where it's like 100, sometimes less if you get a good deal. Like, there are just so many cheap flights. There's so much going on there, especially that time of year when you're saying it's November, December. Like, what would that be December? Take a trip from Denver out to Las Vegas. I mean, nobody's going to pass that up. It just makes sense. They're going to be able to fill that stadium a lot more easily. Uh, content uh, Comment com- continues. Even when Stanford was in the game, it never filled more than the lower bowl. Hoping that the game moving to Vegas can draw more casual fans. Yeah, me too. Uh, okay, an actual question. Who are the freshmen you think will add the most value to the buffs this season? When I hear that question, my mind goes straight to Vontae Chenault. And he is not going to contribute this season because there are just so many receivers. But the idea, I mean, could you just imagine having LaVisca and Vontae, like the brothers out there playing together? And this is the only chance for it to happen unless Vontae makes the NFL and then who knows, maybe there's some superstar team up like you see in the NBA. But that's what I'd really like to see is like somehow Vontae breaks out in camp the buffs have no excuse to leave him on the bench this season unrealistic that's just the me idealizing through all these situations we've talked through a couple of these guys already today dimitri stanley is a red shirt freshman and i mean he's the favorite to be the number three receiver so yeah, I mean, we should be expecting him to contribute. Uh, it's a lot to put on a freshman, but if he doesn't contribute, it's going to be a disappointment, which is too bad for him if it does happen. But, I mean, could you imagine? He, he would have at least two more years here uh, where he would be say, playing. He'd have three full years after coming as, like, including his freshman year, I guess, that he's playing, but so much room for him to improve over that time by the time he gets out of here he's got to be a pro prospect just like most most years the buffs top receiver is because this is a deep group and it's a group that's been managed by darren shiverini uh over the last few years which kind of makes sense considering that he got the assistant head coach job that uh mel tucker's so impressed and the fact that mel tucker even kept him around and this is something that actually Mel said to me yesterday. He said, when you have a smart football guy, you can't get rid of him. And that sounds like something simple, but sometimes you see coaches come in and you want them to have guys who understand their system and can implement it. But at the same time, you you need guys who know football first and foremost. And that's what Darren Shiverini is. I mean, he played 10 years in the NFL. So... Yeah, I I think Dimitri Stanley is going to be the guy at the end of the year where we all say, dude, losing LaVisca, obviously he's irreplaceable, but at least we know we're going to be strong at receiver going forward. Um, so yeah, uh, covered Vontae Chenault, probably not going to play. I just really want him to. Uh, covered Dimitri Stanley, who I do think is going to play, I think has to play. And now we'll move on to Jaron Mangum. He's a true freshman, and he's a big back from Detroit. Six foot two, 215, projected to be uh, part of the group of running backs that will be carrying the ball for the Buffs this season. I don't think there's anything that could happen in camp that would stop the Buffs from going full running back by committee. I just don't don't see that as a possibility. Especially, like, you got young guys. You have uh, Mangum. You have uh, Alex Fontenot. Probably, like, penciled in as your number one, as much as that even means anything. And those two kind of be leading the pack, and we'll see whether anybody else can really step up and be that next guy for the buffs at running back. I don't know. I don't have a favorite for that spot yet. I mean, you look at the names like Chase Sanders is experienced, but everybody else, I mean, freshmen, sophomores, don't know a lot about him. And 
it's just tough to project who's going to come out of that group. But you know that Fontenot as a sophomore, Mangum as a freshman will be leading that pack. And it's just whether Sanders as a junior takes the ex- the next spot or maybe there's another freshman who gets playing time at running back as well. I'm high on Mangum. I think that by the end of the year, uh, people are going to be clamoring to see more of him. Uh, he's just so talented and he's so big and still so fast that it's he's <laughs> somehow this this podcast has turned into me comparing everybody to LaVisca Chenault. But he does have some of that just like he's a big guy who's fast and that's rare. And when you have it, that's valuable. And so I think that we'll see him on the field for sure. And then uh, one more freshman. We actually already t- touched on him uh, earlier in the podcast as well. Jalen Sammy. Uh, along that defensive line, the Buffs need need guys to step up. They don't have a lot of options there. They have like maybe three guys competing for two spots, and you need two of those guys to be good players. So Sammy, he's a redshirt freshman, 6'6", 320. You'd think at the very least he could just step in and be big enough to not cause problems. Like, he's not going to get pushed around. But the guy has some upside, too, even as a freshman. I mean, Phil Steele said that he was fourth-team All-Pac-12 uh, a preseason all pack 12 for this year as a redshirt freshman. That's impressive. I mean, you don't really know until you see him on the field. And we did see him on the field, I guess, this spring. He uh, had six tackles in one of the scrimmages. The, the stats for defensive linemen aren't as interesting to me. And since I wasn't able to actually watch the spring, I'm coming into this kind of blind, except for seeing all of the hype. And so. You have to hope that he does step up um, and becomes another impact player on that defense because that's what it's going to take for the Buffs to really make a run at something in the Pac-12. Even bowl eligibility, a guy like Jalen Sammy, they can't afford for him to not be as good as he potentially could be, if that makes sense. They, they need him to live up to his potential. They need most guys on the team to live up to their potential if they're actually going to make a run at anything that matters in the Pac-12. So those are four freshmen I named. Vontae Chenault, who I probably shouldn't have named, but how can you not when you're talking about this freshman class? Jaron Mangum, Jalen Sammy, Dimitri Flowers, all guys who will make an impact. At the very least, you will see them on the field. Uh, there's no way... And barring injury, and I'm knocking on wood, can, I can steal the touch wood thing from the Broncos pod, but uh, they'll they'll be on the field. The question is just how much they can do with their playing time. Uh, moving on, uh, we're gonna jump back into Ryan's question from yesterday when he asked what my favorite thing I heard from Lavisca or Nate or Mel Tucker was. And that's actually a really good question because we heard some good stuff from all of them. So just to run through, I talked the, the way it's, it works when the Buffs are the team that has the stand in the big media room uh, where there's like 300 chairs for all the media. Uh, everybody's all mic'd up. Um, they have 25 minutes. So usually I think Mel Tucker gave like a two-minute speech. In that speech, he mentioned that he was promoting Shiverini to uh, assistant head coach and then jumps into a Q&A. The reporters circle him up at the front. They can circle Nate Lamon back in the corner. They can circle LaVisca Chenault in the other corner. And it's a little frustrating they do it that way because I would have loved to have seen the full 25 minutes of each of them. And the Pac-12 actually transcribes everything the head coach says. And so I didn't spend much time up with Mel just because I knew that whatever he said, I would have access to, and maybe it fits into one of my stories. Uh, maybe I can find a story in there that I can do something with, you know. So I went back, talked to Nate for most of the time because he drew the least attention of the three. Uh, I, I was actually alone with him for a solid five minutes, and we had a good talk. That's when we were talking about uh, this new defense and how it is kind of 
difficult to learn. And he's, he said he doesn't have any problems fitting in to the defense. He isn't worried, like, the, he isn't being asked to do anything he's uncomfortable with. It's just difficult to learn the new terminology, and it's difficult to learn the reads he needs to make so that he can check the rest of the defense into the right play. And I thought that was interesting. That was a lot of fun to talk to him about because we got pretty deep into some of the more nuanced stuff that's going on there. But I think my favorite part, so we have the 25 minutes. I probably spent 15 minutes talking with Nate. A couple of the reporters came and went. Uh, mostly wanted to talk to him about the rule change saying that now uh, there's no no stands call when there's a targeting so targeting you know lower your head hit the guy in the head whatever uh used to get ejected and then they'd review it and if they said that it's like we aren't there's enough evidence to overturn it you'd still be gone now they need to be able to say this is confirmed it's obvious that this is targeting you're out and uh so a couple people wanted to talk to nate about that because he was one of the guys who got kicked out of a game because of a stands call, which under the new policy would not have required him to leave the game. And also there's the new policy that if you are called for targeting three times in a season, then you are done. They're just taking you out. And so uh, Nate had two targeting calls, including the one that wouldn't have been called this year. And so he was asked about that as well. Um, so we talked about that again though my favorite part probably talking about those monitors with Nate and then I ran over after my 15 minutes with Nate caught like 8 minutes with uh, LaVisca after the group around him had thinned out just a little bit and we got to talk about those monitors uh, the fastest receivers uh, whether they, they talk about it in the locker room and they do they all know who's the fastest every day and it's just interesting it's it seems so obvious. Like anytime you can pit them against each other, these receivers or any position group in a friendly competitive way, that's what you want to do. Not just because like it gets them, I don't know, working harder on the field to beat each other, but also because just having that competitive mindset every single day just seems like it could be so valuable going forward. And that's just who Mel Tucker is. Like he wants everybody almost angry of <laughs> like wanting to fight guys like you know he wants everybody totally bought in and having met him I, I I'm really impressed with just just the way he explains the things that I asked him to talk about and so I talked to LaVisca about those monitors and then I ran up and caught like the last two minutes with Mel after everything had thinned out up there and talked to him about those and said, so like, are these, are these something that you brought over from the SEC? He said, yeah, uh, they were. And I said, well, what else did you bring over? And he's, he like had like a bunch of ideas that he had while he was like at Georgia, at Alabama. And, uh, so I asked, you know, that stuff is really expensive. Have you, has the school supported you? Have they been willing to spend money on that kind of stuff? And he said they have. And I think that that's really important because just like any other sport, as much as we don't want to admit it, college football, a lot of it comes down to money. And so if you if you have the best facilities, like we were talking about with LSU, they have those sleeping pods. It's gimmicky. I mean, I maybe I'm just weird because I would never climb inside something like that. But those are not going to be as valuable to the players as uh, the the amount of money they cost. Like when you look at how much that improves their on-field performance at the end of the day, because that's what it's all about. That's what you're investing in. The end result that you're measuring is wins. Those are not going to be worth that much, but the players don't care about that. The players think, oh, that's cool. I'm an 18-year-old kid, sometimes like 16-year-old kids when they're uh, making up their mind about this kind of stuff. And LSU has those, so I want to go there. Sometimes it's that simple. And when you have those type of facilities and the technology, and, you know, at Georgia they had this massive graphic design department. So 
they could make all these graphics they put on Instagram. And so they'd have, hey, look, this kid signed. Here's this really cool picture we made. And the kids like that. And just like in, I mean, baseball is the most obvious example because you can just spend as much money as you want. And there's the luxury tax, but that's not stopping anybody. You, you pay and you win. In the NFL, I mean, Cowboys build that new stadium and shortly after become a decent team again. I mean, it's just wherever you look, the more money you're willing to spend, the better the team is. And University of Colorado, especially with this Board of Regents, has seemed hesitant Maybe not to spend money. I haven't looked through the budgets to see what they're actually giving. But they have almost a negative view of Colorado football. And, it I mean, Boulder's a very liberal town. And so it's no surprise that there'd be some anti-football. Like, these are brain injuries. It's, it's not worth putting our kids through this. We should just can the whole football program. Those ideas of the Board of Regents shouldn't be surprising. But they can be detrimental and it's good to hear Mel Tucker say that he's gotten support from the board of regents, from the president, from the athletic director. And that's, that's a great look going forward because that's how you get the things like the monitors that tell you who's working the hardest, that tell you who's the fastest and Nate and particularly LaVisca. When, when I talked to LaVisca about this, because he's what he's 15 minutes into talking about whatever, all these national reporters, because I, again, I've said this a couple times, I was the only one from Colorado out there. And so nobody's there talking too specifically about the buffs. Obviously like the national guys need to write a buffs preview or whatever, but it's more like, what do you think about this move from the PAC 12? Just like Nate and the uh, targeting calls. And so he actually seemed to enjoy talking about who the fastest receiver is and like how much they compare times and that kind of stuff, a lot more than that other stuff. And just seeing him, I mean, he's happy that they have those. Nate is happy that they have those. And that's just valuable. And I think that that's probably, the, the best thing I heard, Ryan, is that the, the school has Mel Tucker's back, but the, the monitor storyline that kind of led me to that place after the entire 25 minute uh, media time was a lot of fun. All right, guys, uh, we're, Oh, we just hit an hour. So it's probably time for me to get out of here and start writing some more stuff to put up on the site. You want to read it, then subscribe. And trust me, I you, you do want to read it. We got some good stuff. Exclusives with David Shaw, exclusives with Mel Tucker, exclusives with uh, Darren Shiverini his reaction to the new job, he was nervous he, w he wouldn't even be in Boulder. And so this is a pretty crazy turnaround in seven months. And, you know, you got to be happy for the guy. Uh, all this kind of stuff. Give you guys LaVisca and uh, Nate on the pod for free. So I guess at the very least you get that. The other thing you get if you subscribe is the exclusive right to leave questions for tomorrow's show and every show after that. And we need more questions. And there's plenty of room. Like you saw today, uh, my guy Matt Cisneros had a, a question about the freshman. And since there were no other questions, I got to talk about that for a long time. So if you have anything you want to talk about, drop it in the comment section. Uh, I'm really excited to get this going. I'm excited to start having guests on next week. And I'm super excited to see you all tomorrow at the Breck Brew BSN bar crawl through downtown Denver where we're going to be giving you free stuff including beer for sure and probably some uh, some tickets t-shirts gift cards I don't know I've been in California so I don't know what they have planned but I saw those on the list it's going to be a blast come hang out come talk buffs and I'll be at you again tomorrow uh, talking buffs on the podcast uh, see you later bye guys Competition 180, speed and pad competition.
Houston, see you later, baby. baby. Colorado Army, we soldiers like the Navy. Yeah. And boat is where we stationed, patiently awaiting. Oh. When I hit the field, it's so hard to behave. Yeah. I'm Colorado swagging at the crowd, do the wave. Look into my eyes, I can tell that you afraid. Uh-huh. Cause you know we finna hit ya. Hit ya, hit ya, hit ya. Hey. Hey. You on your own now, why you watching the official? Yeah. You just better hope you make it to the next whistle. And we ain't playing with you, you can get it anytime. Yeah. It started at the scrimmage, we gon' win it at the line. Yeah. My Colorado swag in the middle of the ring. Throwing blows, knocking down team after team. I think they like my Colorado swag, cause when I'm in that play, I don't really, I don't really know just how to act. And when I'm in that go, you know I'm acting bad. Get a bus with my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. I think they like, I think they like my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag. The Green Solution has 17 Colorado locations and an express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible. Get on your phone right now, go to their website, mygreensolution.com. To order your flour, concentrates, edibles, and topicals online, and then head to the closest green solution for pickup. Use code BSN20 for 20% off your entire purchase. Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, my Colorado swag, man I swear I think they like my Colorado swag. 